Welcome to Word on the Street, a weekly podcast from Barclays UK, where our experts help ordinary investors make sense of the latest news and events impacting the world's financial markets. Phil Attreed, Head of Investment Consulting, talks to Will Hobbs, Chief Investment Officer, about the US election result, a potential coronavirus vaccine, and the latest on Brexit. Hello and welcome to this November Monthly Market Insights, where myself and Will will take a look back at the month that's just gone and also look at the team's expectations for the month ahead. I'm Phil Attree, Barclays Head of Investment Consulting, and I'm joined today by Will Hobbs, our Chief Investment Officer, and he'll be representing the views of a much wider group of asset allocators, economists, fund selectors, and portfolio construction experts as well that that make up the group of uh, investors that we have uh, in the team. So, Will, I guess the first thing on our list has to be US elections. Uh, As we speak, it's not quite over just yet, but it does look highly likely that the next president president is going to be Joe Biden. We also won't know until January whether or not he's going to enjoy um, that very slim Senate majority or not. Uh, But what are the wider implications uh, for investors uh, of this groundbreaking election so far? Phil, yes, there's a lot in there, isn't there? And and you're right. Um, We're not going to know until January where you get a couple of Senate runoff races in Georgia, which will decide whether the the Democrat Party can make it up to kind of 50-50 in the Senate with perhaps, uh, you know, Vice President or presumptive. Vice President Kamala Harris uh, being the um, the deciding vote. The, the odds, um, betting odd market still suggests that actually Democrats will, uh, sorry, Republicans will retain a Senate majority. Now, we're obviously seeing an awful lot of editorial ink spilled uh, on the subject of what comes next, what all this means for everything from uh, uh, you know climate policy to you know the U.S.'s international relations and all that kind of thing. It's just worth bearing in mind that if we go back to a similar time in the aftermath of the elections of 2000, 2008, and 2016, you know similar regime changes, a lot in hindsight. Uh, a lot of that editorial link looks like uh, looks like hot air. We didn't predict very well, or many didn't predict very well what was coming next. So, so don't waste too much time believing too much of everything that says. Remember, our view of the future is as limited as ever. Um, the only thing I would say, actually, is that beware also those people who are sort of calling this these elections, you know, a death knell for democracy and similar uh, similarly kind of doom laden predictions. As a famous Austrian political philosopher called Karl Popper, who argued actually that. Uh, Democracy was not necessarily about finding the right answer all the time to who should rule. Uh, it's more about uh, sort of peacefully transferring power. Now, you know, viewed from a few months hence, this could go down um, as exactly that, uh, a great advert for democracy. And remember, this was one where uh, you know, had record turnout, you know, the highest proportional turnout um, we've seen in well over a century. So, so there's aspects of this that are very encouraging for the democratic story. Okay, great. Thanks, Will. So the backdrop for this election has been the surging virus cases around the world, and particularly in Europe and and the US. I mean, various European economies have been pulling the shutters down again. That includes the UK now, where we see uh, the current national lockdown. But the market reaction, particularly globally, has seemed pretty muted to all of that given you know, how much economic damage we know these shutdowns must be causing. How would you explain that disconnect? 
Yeah, it's 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 a bit of a conundrum to some, isn't it, Phil? I agree. You know, the market reaction has been quite muted. And in fact, today uh, we've seen the MSCI All Countries World reach a fresh all-time price high. So, uh, you know, there is something that's sort of you know that, that's jarring investors a little bit, or some of the news flow seems to be jarring against some of the price action. Uh, I'd make three points. Okay, so the first one you could make is that conceivably markets are underreacting to all of this. Or maybe they're over, you know, on the flip side, they're overpricing uh, the potential for, you know, vaccines and, you know, improved healthcare uh, to come along imminently and wave a magic wand and sort of get us all back to some form of normality. That's conceivable. The second point really does, you know, I think, you know, you could say that actually, you know, that vaccine story is incredibly important. So again, today, this morning, there's been some very encouraging news from Pfizer um, and others news is expected soon. And so that sort of sense that, you know, that could change the economic terrain significantly if there was a viable vaccine, you know, widely distributed uh, around the world in the first half of, uh, of next year. And that's something that investors also have to consider. The final point, I guess, is really about the nature of this lockdown, re- lockdown relative to the prior one. And it's notable that there are significant differences. This is less, more patchwork in terms of the sectors affected. And it's notable also that the, effect- the, the most effective sectors, the most affected sectors, sorry, are the ones that haven't really been able to get off the floor from the blow landed by the first half lockdown. So in a sense, the number of extra economic or the amount of extra economic damage those sectors can do to the economy in this lockdown is a bit less. That's not a great story, admittedly. But there's a number of reasons why you'd expect this lockdown to look a little bit less severe in terms of the damage it does to the statistics uh, and you know people's lives and businesses. But still, it's not, you know, it's far from great news. But I think just people are looking to the other side and maybe looking to that uh, that vaccine story a little bit at the moment. Quite, yeah, the disparity between those winners and losers has been quite stark over over the last six months. So, well, finally, the, the other topic we've spoken about for many years, it seems, now is, of course, Brexit. Hopefully, we are in the closing stages of negotiations in the coming sort of weeks. Where are we up to? And I suppose from a positioning point of view within portfolios, is there anything that uh, you and the team are mindful of as we head into the end of the year? Yeah, I mean, we, like many other commentators, are going to wonder what we have to talk about without President Trump and Brexit. You know, we're going to be back at, you know, uh, deep fried chicken and cricket, I guess, which <laughs> attracts very many viewers, but we could have a little go, I guess. But yeah, no, I mean, I, there are some actually who are arguing at the moment that um, the outcome of the US elections is quite relevant for the potential for a Brexit deal. Uh, and they are arguing that because the you know, a potential Biden administration is seen as less sympathetic to the Brexit project. Um, that should incentivize the UK to a greater extent to land a kind of, you know, a, a, a deal of some, de- a more substantial deal. I'm not sure about that. But, you know, we don't have any more edge than we've ever had in calling the twists in terms of this one. What we would say is that looking, you know, superimposing our views over the sort of various you know moves in sterling uh, we do see the risks to sterling as symmetric what that means is that we don't necessarily see an opportunity in leaning one way or the other uh, and sterling remember is the main kind of barometer uh, for what you would see in brexit looking at other markets there's too much there's just so much other influence that the uk economy is just not really a major player in those markets so you know, for, to be honest, our convictions uh, remain stronger elsewhere. They remain stronger in emerging market and developed world high yield credit. They remain stronger uh, in the idea that you probably in your tactical portfolio 
uh, want to own less government bonds than you usually do, that they continue to offer return-free risk or that area of the market continues to offer uh, return-free risk rather than risk-free return. Thank you, as always. Well, useful insights for the month. I uh, look forward to catching up further at the back end of the year as, as we do really approach, hopefully, what, what is the end to those sort of Brexit negotiations and the exit. Um, with that, I thank also our listeners and our viewers for joining us today. If you would like to keep in touch with us uh, between now and next month, please do seek out our regular weekly Word on the Street podcast where you'll hear more of our views uh, as they break on a week-to-week basis. With that, have a very good month. All investments can fall as well as rise in value and their past performance is not a reliable indicator of future performance. This podcast is not a personal investment recommendation.